0: Yep, I get it. I know exactly what you're thinking. Here we go. Another podcast. Well, you know what? I'm here to tell you something. This just isn't any other podcast. This is the Vision Life 365 podcast, where we give you a front row seat to organic missionary work. My name is Jason Sykes, and I'm here with my co-host, Gary Hale. And we're coming to you from beautiful San Pedro de Marcoris, Dominican Republic. We're here serving with the DR Vision team. Our podcast is designed to encourage you towards Great Commission living. Along the way, you get to see the good, the bad, and even sometimes the ugly of missionary work. We hope to encourage and challenge you on your personal sanctification and ministry walk. Here we go. Okay, guys, we are in the Dominican
1: Republic, which means that we had started a nice long 10-minute intro. Just it was good. Tip. We were
2: just really connecting.
1: Yep. Yeah, and uh, the power went out, and then the power came back on, and then the power went out again, and now the power is back. So... We are picking up our study that we have. Maybe we'll. we'll if you're hearing this, uh, you may have already heard the introduction because the file was able to be recovered. If not, then this is your introduction. So sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: you don't get the nine minute. We uh, don't know yet until you get back to the, right.
1: Until I get back to the house and look at it in the computer, there's no way to know for sure. So, but anyway, we are looking at uh, finalizing our study today in James chapter five, uh, which again has been a, a true challenge to to me um, as we look through these chapters and, and that's what we really want this to be is just something that not only that, that, uh, we read and we study, but something that we can apply practically to our lives and be an encouragement to you guys. So, uh, here we are James chapter five. Um, Gary, what do you, what do you want to jump into, man?
2: Well, you know, the whole, all of James is, uh, you know, immensely practical for us. And, uh, you know, as, as you've mentioned before. And so, you know, you're, you're, you're rounding out this James five, uh, talking again about riches and, uh, just, and I think for us, we can look at that and say, where's my confidence and where's, what does my life revolve around? And for mm-hmm. us, you know, in particular, it's not that we have riches, but money, you know, as money or materials, uh, m- material things, uh, can sometimes, um, become our focus mm-hmm. you know, even for us and, and and you know what I've found in materialism is uh, sometimes that's found even among the poor yeah. they can have a materialistic type mindset and so you know here is just talking about um, you know look there there's riches that are you know you have riches but you know misery and, and bad things are going to come, uh, your riches are corrupted, and in verse 2, garments are moth-eaten, uh, gold and silver cankered, I mean, it's um, kind of a description of, you know, all that's just temporal, mm-hmm. you know, all that's temporal, it, it's, it's not eternal, and uh, verse 5, you've lived in pleasure on the earth. Um, You've nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. I mean you've really, you've really lived it up. but look at verse seven. Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Um, it's sort of like make sure your focus is on the Lord. Mm-hmm. you know, and uh, yeah, people are living it up and it's very tempting it's so tempting for us to think man if i just had that job or if i just had that money or if i just had that car or whatever some people if i just had that wife or that husband man if i just had that if i could walk in their shoes i could live in their shoes life would be great Mm -hmm. and i think this is a reminder to us that our focus needs to be uh you know on the lord and his coming and and what we have in him.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I went through the first part. I kind of broke it down one through six. And as you said, verse seven is kind of a transitional yeah. uh, statement there. But, um, you know, it seems like James is kind of directing this towards people who have been uh, maybe abusive in some way to get the money that they got. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a great lesson for us because sometimes, like you said, when we get a perspective off is usually when we... Um, you know, you can take advantage of somebody without intentionally taking advantage of somebody. And, you know, you can, you can, as I read and studied this, it talked about potentially withholding wages from people or whatever. Um, You know, there's situations where maybe you're holding out for, um, you know, to see how long you could stretch it or if you can get more interest on money before, you know, whatever the case may be. I mean, I... Uh, I in, am involved in missions years and years and years and years ago. There was a situation I knew about where uh, Mr. Anna field was leaving and he took out like a, back when it was a, a deal, the service merchandise catalog and everything that he was selling, he took and doubled the price of used, used. Yeah. He doubled the brand new price and sold it in his country uh, at the double price yeah, you know, and I think when I when I see that, and I'm not just doing that to point a finger. I'm just saying it's easy in a cultural context sometimes, I guess, for us to to we have to as a missionary we have to be very careful. Of this how that we don't get our focus off that we don't get consumed with money. Obviously, from as you read through,
2: <clears throat> because this goes into what you're saying that the, the, the riches here are tainted. Yeah, And that's why it's not that God has poured out his blessing for a particular person because they've whatever. He just wanted according to his will, he just wanted to bless this family and they're outstanding, outright, you know, they're they're living for the Lord and he has blessed them. Because there are Christians who are rich yes. and love the Lord. But this right. is not talking about James five is talking about you have built your riches on the, the, taking
1: right. advantage of others. It's that's not, a good point. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the no. love of money Correct. that's the root of all evil. And and so this is good, I think, on so many, because you could look at this and say, I don't have much money, so it's no big deal. Well, you know what? Any idol that you have, I mean, there's great mm-hmm. principles of a lot of this. Any idol that you have, when you get so hyper-focused on one thing, um, the tendency is that you can potentially step on people or do things that are... Uh, borderline unethical without even trying, just because your focus is wrong. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's and it's, you can be poor or rich, <clears throat> right? And you're just you're trying to get one dollar more. Let's take it one step further. It doesn't even necessarily always have to be money. It could be position. It could be something yeah. else. It's just it's you, you, you. This is a great example of. Yes, here the context is money, but it really could apply to priorities. It could apply to anything. When we get things out of order, um, we do potential damage. And as you transition to verse 7, obviously God wants us to be focused through James. He's telling us that, that not on those things, not on getting what we want through a, a, a bad way, I guess you could say. But, hey, he's coming back. Yeah. That's a that's a good reminder that that. You know, we're investing in the kingdom. We're yeah. investing in the kingdom now. We're, we're either growing his kingdom and, or we're doing detriment to his kingdom. And so we have to decide if our actions match up with that.
2: Well, I like verse eight be also patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Again, the focus is on, the focus is
1: on, uh, on the Lord. Well let, let me read this to you because this is cool. I, I like I said I like to do uh I like I like Warren Rearsby for his stuff. If you want kind of a good he's got good doctrinal content, but he's also yeah. very devotional and and yeah, very practical. application plaque practical yeah. stuff. He says James used two different words for patience in James uh five seven and eight um and ten. It was the word long tempered the word endure and patience in James five eleven literally means to remain under and speak of endurance under great stress. Patience means to stay put and st- and stand fast when you like to run away. Many Greek scholars think that long suffering refers to patience with respect to persons, while endurance refers to patience with respect to conditions or situations. <laughs> that pretty much outlines the ministry right there, doesn't yeah, it? Because yeah, if true. you're not dealing with people, you're dealing with situations. You know, yeah. if it ain't if it isn't a, a situation, you're gonna confront in the church it's COVID restrictions or you know whatever the case may be. Sure. So. Um, I, that was good. Um,
2: yeah, I think, you know, I, I guess the question would be, uh, verse 8, how do you see establish your hearts? What, uh, you know, what, what, how, do we establish, how do we establish our hearts?
1: Uh, you know, patience, if you take patience, because earlier in the book, patience has the idea of really, I think the word in Greek is hoopamony, is, is kind of remaining under uh, mm-hmm. something. In other words, not trying to escape to establish your heart, I would say if I was in that situation where I was trying to remain uh, or had to remain under something is kind of like um a horrible analogy because I'm not a gym rat. But, you know, when you go to the gym, uh sometimes you're doing something you just don't like to do. But if you can just get a rhythm, if you could, if you can. You know, if you're on the the treadmill, or if you're on the rowing machine, at least for me, if I can get a rhythm, I think I can kind of knock out more reps that way if I do it or rather than trying to, I guess I just try to find that rhythm and I say, okay, I I know I've got to be here for so much, so long. So I'm going to just find something that works for me, and I'm going to keep, you know, keep myself in that rhythm. If I push too hard, I'm going to be out of breath. If I don't push hard enough, then I'm not getting any benefit from it. So I just try to find that that rhythm that will take me to the goal that I need to do. And I think that for me spiritually, it's going to be the same thing. Hey, this isn't going to be easy. This yeah. is not going to be easy. And <clears throat> trials and tribulations are part of the experience. It's part of what we face uh, as believers. In fact, even here at church, we're doing the F260. Uh, reading program and today was about Job. You know, yeah. um, here's a righteous guy. I mean, if it goes to show you, you know, trials and tribulations can affect anybody, mm-hmm. and his best friends turned on him.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and James brings Job into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't on the uh, the reading plan, the F two hundred and sixty, but he brings Job into it as well. In verse eleven,
0: he says, oh. <laughs> "Behold, we count <laughs> it happy." With the You're
2: right. Ye <laughs> he have heard of the patience of Job and have seen. So you know, James is 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 drawing out from an Old -hmm. Old Testament figure that's important, um, you know, to give us an example, um, you know, again, to remind us. And I I like verse 9. I mean, it's it's interesting because the flow of thought, you're you're really talking about, you know, uh, maintaining underneath Christ and walking with Him. Verse 9, grudge not one against another. Now, why does he put that there? Because when we are faced with situations and when we are going through life and stuff is happening that we can't control— uh it tends to it becomes a disruptor and what ha- what tends to happen we tend to start grumbling and murmuring mm-hmm. and complaining and and we start it starts affecting our other relationships and i think it's interesting here right after establish your hearts grudge not one against the brother
1: you know i grew up in such a we i think a lot of us have grown up in such a separation culture that it's easy to form lines against people and and whatnot and i, I was really challenged uh, a couple of years ago as I read through the New Testament that um you know the Bible talks way more about them knowing us for our love for one another than it is for us being so separated and so <laughs> so isolated and you know it's easy to happen when you're going through difficulties and it's easy to happen when um you know, sometimes you have little bumps and scrapes with people in the ministry. Uh, I've had that happen before. And sometimes you stand back and you say, God, why are you, are you allowing this to happen? This is clearly wrong. Why, yeah. why? And, uh, I know in my own personal life that God has shown me that he's bad and he knows how to deal with his kids better than we do. And, uh, don't lose my joy. Don't lose whatever being so concerned about how he's dealing with his other kids. <laughs> I need to worry about how he's dealing with me. And, uh, so I think for me, that's a good, you know, it's easy to get frustrated. Um, you know, I, I said, we went through through some things ministerial and ministerial in, in Venezuela. And I say, you know, I, Matthew chapter five to me had, a whole new context for me. I used to think persecution came from outside the church. Yeah. Um, and I found out persecution actually does many times come from within, inside the church. Um, and so those are things that I would, as I've lived life and spiritually, and then I look at ministry, that's definitely something I would look at in verse nine is easy to, easy to form divisions um and we we hurt the cause of christ when we do that
2: yeah you know and it goes back to the old trite saying you know hurt people hurt people but you know when
1: things are going when things
2: are going awry in your life it's easy to start attacking other people lash out you know lash out and so you know the instruction here is not to do that you have some illustrations here uh that he gives 10 and 11 um uh, you, you know, to your point, verse eleven, the end of it, that the Lord is very pitiful and tender, uh, and of tender mercy, um, It's just reminding us: God sees all this, and He's our Father. And so, you know, we need to be leaning more into Him, or in our relationship to Him. Um, and it's so easy to attack others or to look for solutions outside of of the comfort that only He can give.
1: I'm not saying we don't. We don't. Um... Occasionally fall into this trap. But I would say that I think that to a certain extent, that's the kind of the measure of somebody's understanding of grace. When you truly understand grace, you understand how bad your sin is. Right. And it's not that you don't sometimes judge people because you do. It's not that you don't say things you shouldn't because you do. You, you're still dealing with your flesh. But I think you there's also fear to be too judgmental because you know deep down that God has... Had mercy on you. God has had grace on you, and so it's it's not so easy to just run out and point fingers. I think if you don't understand grace and you're living a very legalistic, you know, Christianity, then yes, it's very easy to be judgmental because someone's not meeting the standard, you know. So therefore, you know, be done with them. Whereas in grace, you say, well, they're not meeting the standard, but I'm not doing so well myself, you know. And so there's there's an empathy there, Mm -hmm. Um, and so
2: and it's easy to. You know following on that, it's easy to classify people as all bad or all good yeah. and we're com- we're complex people yep. and there are things in our life if we' if we're honest, I think most Christians, mo- most people that, that we would know, uh, they've got some really good things going for them. They also have some things that maybe are not so hot mm-hmm. but it's where where do we shine the spotlight on and so when we're against someone, it's very easy to shine that spotlight and amplify all the negatives and basically say that that is that person through and through. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I guess it's, it's possible there, there are some charlatans out there. There are some people that are just bad dudes. Sure. You know, absolutely. and they've got everyone fooled That's but a whole th- other podcast. Th- <laughs> yeah, But I, th- I, th- and so I don't want to say that there aren't, there are. And I think the new Testament, uh, you know, points out that there, there are some bad dudes out there in the name of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but by and large, I think it's like you said. I think you know we all we all have some strengths and we all have some weaknesses. And I think uh, most people kind of—I mean, most of the church, you know—they want to please the Lord. Now, how much are they committed to that? That might be a different sure. conversation. But I don't think anybody is like viciously trying to deceive people in their
1: life. No, and a good thing here is this is a lesson, hard lesson I've learned in ministry. But there's there's it's not bad. To to establish boundaries. Sometimes, you know, if you've got a situation and again, we can go, I can go way far off of this and I want to do that at all. But, um, you know, if, if you got somebody who you just don't click with, you know, there's just, let's call it a personality dispute and you've tried and tried and tried and both of you, there's nothing wrong with establishing some boundaries. Maybe you shouldn't start a ministry with that person because you just, you don't do well and that's okay. Um, sometimes those boundaries protect the greater good because, again, we are the body of Christ. We are the picture of Christ to the world. And when we're divided uh, and they can see that, then um, we've done, you know, even call it a kind of a silent harm to the cause of Christ. We've hurt his testimony because people are looking to us to see what Christ looks like.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, good point. I mean, you don't have to tear down the other person if you just need to say, you know what, I don't. I think that's just that just doesn't work for me, mm-hmm. you know. And and let them just release them to the Lord. You know, we want to judge though, and we want to sort of uh, uh, be the the judge and jury mm-hmm. on, on other people. And we've got enough we've got enough on our own plates that we just need to be able to, you know, release release them to the Lord. We don't have to like go follow around people. I, I know there are some people that you'll run across in ministry that I think they feel like it's their mission in life to expose the wrong of everybody else. Right. And it's just like, man, don't you have enough on your own plate? And yeah, <laughs> you know what? And so, they,
1: they clearly don't understand grace because they yeah. don't understand. And, the, and this, I think the worst and the saddest part about that is when those people do mess up, people are, I hate to say it, but they kind of, are they ready to pounce on them because, yeah. you know, they've preached this perfection message for so long and they've, they've,
2: they buy the sword, die by it. Yes,
1: very much so. Hey,
2: verse 12, uh, interesting here. Um, Above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any oath. But let your yea be yea and your nay, nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Um, You know, I I just, I like the simplicity and the directness there Mm -hmm. of, you you know, your words mean something. And, you know, sometimes we try to, people try to hedge and wiggle room and, you know, I mean, if you ever get a contract, as you know, you look at a cell contract or something, you have, you have like, what, 12 pages of, <laughs> of fine <laughs> Who fine actually print? reads and that? Who reads that? Or, or now it, on the internet, internet, you know, your website thing changes and you have to click. And then sometimes, I, I had one one time that I that I said, okay, yes, I agree. And then they wouldn't accept it because they knew I didn't scroll, you know, I didn't scroll down and read all oh, the yeah. stuff. And so, you know, then you're just scrolling really quickly and, and, and read that. Let your yay be yay and nay nay. When Gary says something, you should be able to bank on it. And and when you say something, it's because you don't need to swear by heaven or my mother's grave or anything like that. Because when Jason says something, he's speaking the truth. Yeah, and, you know, boy, we need that in the world today.
1: Well, and as I was saying that, it's funny because you might think James has a little bit of ADD there because he goes from "Behold, we count them happy which endure." You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen at the end, of, uh, seen the end of the Lord uh, that the Lord is very pitiful and tender of mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not either by heaven. It's like, well, okay, James, where would you? <laughs> right. You just took a hard turn off the exit. Where's we? Where's we handle that? He says the exhortation in James five twelve seems out of place. Uh, For what does speaking oaths have to do with the problem of suffering? If you have suffered, you know the answer. It's easy to say things you don't mean, even to make bargains with God. Yeah. When, you, when you're going through difficulties, go back to Job, for example, the patriarch. Naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return uh, thither. The Lord gave, the Lord t- had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor char- charged God foolishly.
0: Yeah.
1: Job did curse the day he was born, but he never cursed God or spoke with a foolish oath. Neither did he try to bargain with God. And I thought that was yeah, r- good. really good. Yeah. Because it, now it does fit the context. It yeah, totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and we, um, we've
2: all done that before, haven't we? I mean, we've said, "Oh yeah, get me out of this situation, I'll serve you. <laughs> or I won't do
1: this. Or I won't, right. It's no. like a mafia negotiation with God. Yeah. If you do this, I'll do this.
2: Right. And we, you know, we treat God like we can negotiate with him. And we really don't need to look at God like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, whether whatever situation I'm in, I just need to trust him. And, um, you know, now maybe it's a situation like Jonah. You're running from the Lord, you know, and you're saying, Lord, give me another chance, please. Mm-hmm. But again,
1: you're appealing to his grace and mercy. I think there's, it's almost hard to find a middle ground right there with what you're saying, because I'm going to give an example It's probably the other way. And that is, if you've grown up in, in legalism, um, there's a tendency to be very rigid and not see any grace at all. Um, and then if you've grown up the other way where you get the feel good gospel, then it's just God's loving and he's, yeah. you know, and I, I think there's, there's gotta be something on, on the middle ground there somewhere that, that, um, you know, some, in other words, sometimes if you're a legalist, I think you, you, maybe you don't have to suffer, but you you choose to suffer because you feel like you're doing some kind of, you know, and then the other is just God's just love and he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want you to go through anything bad. Well, no, there's, there's, there's both in there. We, you know, I went through a trial last year and I was reading through scriptures and one of the scriptures and I can't remember, this is horrible, I'm always bad like this, but. Um, I couldn't remember exactly where it's at, but it's talked about how God loves his kids. He disciplines his kids, not like a spanking discipline, but basically raising up or... A, oh, that's Hebrews. A, a yeah. Hebrews, parenting-type discipline. And Why does he do it? Because he loves me. Not because he's trying to beat me up, not to, because he's just taking me out behind the woodshed to, to smack me around. No, he is letting me feel the spiritual growth pain so that... I will grow in his likeness. So he's doing it for a good reason, not for a bad reason. And I guess when I got perspective, and I'm not that I was blaming God or anything. I just saw it as like, man, this is this great oppression that I'm having to deal with. And and I didn't see it as maybe it's just dad loving on me, you know. Yeah. And once I got that perspective, it was a whole lot easier to process. And well, so,
2: that's, that's, you know, the whole thing about about discipline, I think the word in Spanish is uh, in my head is um, in the Hebrews patches. It's discipline. Who God loves, He disciplines. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is not is not a, a child of His. Mm-hmm. And so, discipline. We often think discipline is a negative, a negative connotation. And so, you know, you as a parent, you know, it can certainly feel negative <laughs> to the children. It can feel negative to you as a parent. Uh, it's funny, you know, sometimes when when. I'm, We've all had the occasion where, where the mother maybe cries a little bit in discipline, and my dad didn't cry when he <laughs> disciplined me, you know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, we think of it as a negative, and there is a negative aspect of bringing into alignment something that's not in alignment with you know, the, the rules of the way, you know. Um, but really, discipline is a positive thing. You know, and that's why they say you, know, you shouldn't be in anger. It shouldn't be because it, you're you're looking for the positive correction down the road, not just the "I'm angry, you disobeyed my rule, and so now I'm going to you know beat I, the
1: tar out of you." I right? am by no means a perfect parent by any stretch of the imagination. Thankfully, I don't have my kids here right now during the podcast, but. Um, one funny thing is, and this is not, I'm not bragging about us. I'm just saying that as kids grow up, I was pretty strict cause I grew up in a strict home. My wife was strict. I'm more strict than she is. But, um, <clears throat> my mom is so funny because she was the judge and the jury when I was at home. I mean, she's ready to, you know, call me out and, you know, spank me or whatever when I did stuff wrong. And then I'm also, my kids come along and she says things like, honey, I don't think they understand what the word no means. I'm like, give me about two seconds. I'll, we'll figure mm. out what the word no means. And I always said to her, but, but what would happen is they would take my kids to Walmart or my father-in-law would take my kids to Walmart and come back and say, man, your kids are really well behaved. You know, I'm so proud of them, blah, blah, blah. And, and I would just jokingly say sometimes, see, you guys are critical about the discipline. You don't like the process, but you do like the product. Yeah. And same as spiritually who really enjoys the process I don't think job did you know right. nobody enjoys the process but the product is what we're most concerned about sure I'm, I'm sure when he lost his family
2: and he lost his businesses and everything that wasn't part of his new year plan exactly I mean there's a lot of suffering that goes through and that's you know as something we've I think we've said before there is a theology of suffering mm-hmm. you know depending and relying upon the Lord uh, inside the 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 difficulties and the sufferings and the heartaches and heartbreaks of, of life, mm-hmm. we don't like to go through them. But it's one of the ways, as James says in the first chapter, that the trial of our faith worketh
1: patience, patience. or spiritual There's maturity word again. Yeah. And,
2: and that leads us to spiritual maturity. There, there are no shortcuts there. No. And, um, you know, to, to come to that place to where we have maturity in Christ, it's often going to be through heartache and heartbreak over we live in a sin fallen world Mm -hmm. and so yes god uses that in our life so uh i was looking at hebrews but i need to get back to james
1: verse 13 yeah uh getting into prayer here uh is any among you afflicted let him pray is he married let him sing psalms is any sick among you let him call the elders of the church let them pray over him anointing him with oil Mm -hmm. in the name of the lord um you know i i was challenged in this as i studied this out because um, the word afflicted means pray for someone suffering in difficult circumstances. Um, Again,
2: continuing to your point, you could look at this all as disjointed, but it's kind of connecting. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. All the way from, from, from Job, and and it's continuing this thought.
1: Which is sometimes, and this is a whole other podcast, but there's so many times we, we look at things with Western eyes, and there's, there's I think, many times a, a very Jewish context that they would have understood these things even Correct. better than we did or do uh, for that. Situation, I think, I think we underestimate the power of prayer. You know, I hear, I wish I could say that I was strong in that area of my life. Um, yeah. uh, I've learned little things along the way. Sometimes I think we think of a prayer as only being, you know, bow your head, close your eyes kind of deal. I know in Venezuela, when we are going through some really tough time, uh, I remember coming home one day when my wife was like, we need to leave. And I was like, just, <laughs> I was kind of not nice, but I said, you need to leave me alone. So I needed, I needed to spend some time with the Lord. And, um, and I put on praise music, and and basically my prayer was the praise music as I was listening, and before I knew it, an hour was up, and I'd never prayed that long in my life. Um, and so I know that sounds crazy, um, but but those are things that, that prayer is not just me talking, but it's giving him a chance to talk to, and um, we underestimate that communication, that power. And, and it's not really so much aligning him to our thoughts as him aligning us to what he's doing and 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 you know working in us
2: yeah sure uh
1: what wh- what about that oil uh,
2: is that that's not wd-40 is
1: it <laughs> no i if it was i think benny Han and all those guys would have capitalized on it by now i mean
2: the wd-40 works on like everything it does i mean the other day i had something that I, you know, it's one of those things that you're always trying to find what will, will it not work on because as like i had something and i was like there's no reason why the wd-40 should work so i spray it Sure enough, it works.
1: Gary, remember I asked you about a locksmith the other day. You sent yeah. me the contact information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess what fixed it? What WD forty? Yeah, I didn't even call the locksmith. I found I found some WD forty we had around the house. Yeah. We had a, a lock that's got uh, an iron gate that you go into the house with. Right. Yeah. Well, on one side the key would go in fine, but for whatever reason, the on the other side it just wouldn't. The key wouldn't enter, wouldn't turn. Yeah. And I thought, well, before I call this guy, and then you got to wait and sit and yeah, wait yeah. for them to show up. I said, Luke, take that WD forty and spray it in there and put a key in there. Turn right away. So, yeah. So what is this oil? Um, You know, I think this is... Like an olive oil. Yeah, Yeah, probably. Um, Symbolic. Uh, I don't think there's anything special about the oil uh, necessarily. Um, In fact... um, But that's that's going back to the Old
2: Testament. Right. Some symbolism here. Yes. And remember that this is written to people who have a Jewish background. Yes. So you know you're kind of tying that back in. I think James is doing
1: well. We I'll give you a modern day example. I'll give you a, a New Testament church example. We had a guy in our church years ago who had um, what is it? he had Crohn's disease, I believe it was, and he had to um, have a liver transplant. He just he just was not doing well. Yeah. And they arranged a group over there, and they prayed over him and anointed him. They knew there was anything special about it at all. It was just simply a symbol of healing, asking God. But within that, they realized that God had absolute authority. God could do whatever he wanted to, and he wasn't bound by their, you know what I'm saying? In in other words, it was they understood that it symbolized healing. And you know what? God chose to prolong that man's life for many, 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 many more years. Later on in his life, he had another moment where he just said, you know what? This medication, and this anti-rejection medicine, medicine I'm taking is just really wreaking havoc on my body. I'm not going to take it anymore. He ended up living a long time after that. And so mm-hmm. um, it's just the idea of God healing somebody. Uh, there's nothing special about anointing oil. It's just a it's a symbolic picture.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a picture that David in the 23rd Psalm, verse 5, thou anointest my head with oil. Mm-hmm. And so you know, in the presence of the enemy... Uh, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. He was talking about imagery there. Yeah. But again, it's the um, sufficiency of the Lord is our shepherd mm-hmm. um, to take care of us and and to guide us and to help us and to be everything that we need. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, as I recall, I re- recall a vague story that I think that they they did this with my dad, too, but he didn't recover. You know, mm-hmm. so it's not that it's not that Jesus isn't sufficient. He is. It's just his will. It's his right. He gets. He calls the shots. He calls yeah. the shots. And so it's not. You're not praying. You, you, your faith is not in the oil. Your faith is in God's goodness and His ultimate glory and His plan.
1: Another situ, right? Another situation in our church years ago that um, we used to do these things called Ebenezer stones, and we would get engraved on a. On a you know, piece of granite or something, some things that God had done over that year that, that were incredible. We had a lady in our church who um, there was a genetic thing between her and her husband when they had children that they were born blind. And I remember her bringing it before the church and the church was excited and everybody rallied together. We prayed, but you know, in faith that God would allow her child to be born sighted. And he was, mm. he was born with a sight. And that was a miracle because all the odds were stacked against. She got pregnant again and she asked the church to pray again. Guess what? He was born blind. God mm. can do what he wants when he wants. There was a purpose for it in that time, yeah. but it, that doesn't obligate him to do it just because we asked him to right but but, the,
2: but but we have to pray uh with total faith in in him, and many times we don't we hedge our bets
1: I think that's where it's praying according to his will, yeah. Sure. According to as well. Um, interesting that it mentions the prayer of faith. I don't know if it, it probably doesn't say it in Spanish. I didn't look at it in Spanish, but the oracion de fe is is huge in the in the Latin American world. But many mm-hmm. times to them, that's the the prayer of like salvation. But it's kind of a repeat after me prayer. It's uh, in many ways. I don't feel like it's genuine. I'm not judging somebody who's genuinely saved by praying the oracion right. de fe. But typically it's kind of been in one of those, uh, at least in Venezuela, it was, a, you know, I'm going to pray and now you follow after me, you know, dear mm-hmm. Jesus, dear Jesus, right? you know. Um, but here again, uh, Wearsby says, but what is a prayer of faith that heals the sick? It's the answers in First John 5, 14 and 15, this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears, uh, heareth us. And we if we know he heareth us whatsoever we ask we know that he we have the petitions what we desired of him the prayer of faith is a prayer offered when you know the will of God the elders would seek the mind of God in the matter and then pray according to his will mm-hmm. um so there again you know it's just it's not it's not that I'm demanding something of God I'm seeking God's desires I'm seeking God's will and then I'm praying according to that I'm praying that God will yeah. have his will be done in that in that situation mm-hmm um, 17 and 18 pray for the nation. Um, and you know, just him. <laughs> I've never seen, you know, I've got, I've got Luke's, uh, 15, I think. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, Sam's 16. I hope I got the ages right. Sam's about to, anyway, you know, Luke talks about politics a lot, Yeah, man. I don't know about you. I mean, Politics has changed in the U S over the last two years in a way I've never seen in my whole life. And those are conversations I have with my son and a regular dad. What's up with this? You know, what's up with this? Well, kiddo, I don't know. Cause I never saw that, you know, that's never happened in my life. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I remember guys like Reagan and Bush and all that kind of stuff. You know, we just didn't deal with the, the craziness that we're seeing now politically, but we need to pray for those people because, they need Christ, mm-hmm. um, and then on to nineteen and twenty, the prayer for the errant brother who strayed from the faith. Um, you know, Wiersbe brought out something that's true, and I, I remember saying this. I had friends in that we, my mom and I, worked with waiting tables, and uh, when he talks about praying for those, um, for the errant brother, um, Wiersbe says it's a gradual wandering from the truth. And I remember that because I remember talking to them had friends that were heavily involved in drugs and alcohol and just messed up relationships. And I, when I talk with them, I say, you know, you don't like where you're at now. Obviously we're talking about it. And I said, but I don't think you just stood up one day and said, Hey, I'm just going to, you know, jump head first down this, this staircase right now and just smack my head on the bottom. I said, but you made little decisions along the way. Yeah. you know, you decided to try drugs one day because you thought it'd be cool, and somebody you know tempted you with it, and then you decided to drink one day, and all of a sudden, you know, that's messed up your life. And then you thought, well, um, I'll have a living boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, and look how your life has changed. But never was that just one decision. Like I'm just gonna mess this thing up the worst I, po- you know, I possibly can. And so I think that's a good challenge for us too to really look into that and say, um, erring from the truth. Uh, typically isn't one just being long jump, but it's small decisions that happen in our life. Um, and you know, whether we're dealing with ourselves and our own relationship and walk with God, or we're dealing with others in the church and the disciples of context, it's easy to remember those things because, or it's good to remember those things I should say, because if you want to help somebody really get back in a good relationship with God, sometimes it may not hurt to retrace those steps and see where that, that turn came. Mm,
2: yeah. Um, it's like an old song, uh, slow fade. Mm-hmm. You know, and it uh you know, the video of that, I guess matches up to the words of course, but it you know, it just replays the small little steps mm-hmm. that you know, someone finds themselves way off course. And it's uh it, you usually don't get away from the Lord with just one event. It's mm-hmm. a series. Now there may be that tr- there's like there's like a turning point. There's that first step I mean, that you can maybe trace back to it. But it's a series. when you right. wake up one day and and realize, man, I am not where I need to be spiritually. Well, there's been several
1: things that have happened. Yeah, yeah you know, there's, there's, been been of, have there's been processes have led processes that led you up to this point.
2: Yeah, and I, I like I like verse twenty though that at the end of it and shall hide a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. And I think again it's that. I mean, that's love, that's grace, that's mercy. Uh, you know, when you can help a person um, recover from the error of his way, when you can save, uh, you know, someone from that, and uh, you just, you just, in grace, you just, you just cover a lot of ugliness, a lot of stuff that, you know, and, and I think, you know, for the Christian world, you know, we have to be careful because sometimes it seems like we're drawn to that. We want to hear the scandals. We want to, you know, we want to condemn people, and we want to get. I mean, we forget that, you know, this is not um, something that we should be uh, delighting in. The sin. Right. It's, it's not a. It's it's not a TV show. It's not something that we should take joy. I'll, I'll never forget somebody entering a, a meeting we had. And it was like he was the person was that was relaying the information was almost giddy that another pastor had fallen into sin and it was almost like giggling. I mean, about did you did you hear about the so and so, so and so in the capital that, you know, fell in it was like he was giddy and relaying. It should break our heart. Yeah. It should break our heart, sin should. And so anytime we can rescue somebody from all of that ugliness and all the destruction. Man, that that should be great.
1: You know, and that that really could truly spend a whole podcast on verse 20 because um, the manner in which we do that, I wonder how many times we actually pray ahead of time before we actually go to somebody. Uh, Again, if you've grown up in legalism, you're probably really bent towards confrontation, uh, but sometimes maybe compassion is the way to go. Obviously, I'm I'm not, uh, we can't manipulate the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to do work there anyway, because if I go to the guy in the flesh and he confesses just because I made him mad, then... I'm not really truly making him right with God. I'm just kind of he's he's kind of like we talked about culturally sometimes just wanting him to he's wanting to take the pressure off of him. And so there's a, there's some deep thought in that. You know, if God puts it in your heart to go to somebody, being very direct, go to that person and be direct. But man, it should always be with love and grace and realization. You know, the Bible's clear. None of us are beyond that. None of us are beyond tripping up. None of us are beyond needing. Uh, a verse twenty person to come along and pray for us and pour into us, and so.
0: And, and,
2: um, th- and this, let me let me connect uh, because that's this is important on verse twenty, because you'll hear the one extreme that oh well nobody should judge, but there isn't there's inherent in these verses is that you are making an analysis that what the person is doing is an erring from what he knows to be true. Yeah, and, and so you have to evaluate. There is a a judgment. Let's just say it really. Uh, for lack of a better term, there is an, an analysis that, hey Jason, man, what Jason's doing right now is just not going to bring glory to God, and it's just not going to help his life out.
1: Right, but it's it's an, it, and it probably would fall into the, the context of faith for the wounds of a friend, but the kisses right. of an enemy. So, Gary is your friend, or maybe and your friend, you're going to know, or I'm going to know, going to you about something that probably not going to strike you well in the moment if I come up and say something. I'm still going to try to choose my words in a way that are gracious and not condemning and let the Holy spirit do his work. Not me going up doing dude, you're messing up big time, dude. What's your problem? What's your deal? What's your, you know, that's just certainly not the way to handle those things, but just say, man, I love you. I'm seeing this. I'm not judging because I'm as capable as anybody else's of, of making that decision. But can I show you where I, I feel like this is right pulled you off track here. And, sure. and if it doesn't change, then this is the potential outcome of this. I'm telling you, cause I love you, man. You know, yeah. instead of, I can't believe that you would do that. You know what I'm saying? There's just a, there's such a different attitude in those two different ways. One of the things I think I've learned in the last two or three years of ministry is that people seeing God's grace actively in us. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a church culture for so many times that for so long, that's just this the, kind of a perfection mentality that nobody messes up. Uh, I'm not saying here. I'm just saying in general. Yeah. And I think when people see God's grace at work in you, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's like, wow, that, that can work for me too. Yeah. When you have this picture of perfection, you never make any mistakes. You never sin. you know, almost like Paul followed me as I follow Christ, you know, and Paul was, he also called himself the chief of sinners. Right. Um, but I'm just saying, if we have that mentality that we're, you know, just follow me. Cause I'm the example Man, going back to that, people are ready to pounce on you when you mess up rather than if you just show God's grace actively sure. at work in your life. I think that is huge in the realm of discipleship. Yeah, I mean, so.
2: It's a great, great, uh, very practical book. And man, you can just dive into this and really study it out. Yeah. There's, there's much more here than what we can uh, probably effectively put into practice like in, in, in one or two days. I mean, this is like, I mean, you could spend all year in James. Yeah, I was
1: about and, to say, if you were going to expository preach this, you could easily spend five or six months just yeah. on this, biting off two or three verses at a time. Yeah, Easy. I think so. Yeah. Well, guys, yeah. we hope that that's been encouragement to you, um, just even in opening our hearts up a little bit. But we want this to be a challenge to you and not, uh, we weren't here to preach it to anybody. We're here to encourage you that the, the Word of God is to, to, show us and encourage us, exhort us to, to do all those things. And it certainly has in my studies. I went back over uh, all these chapters again. Uh, as Gary said, we, we just barely scratched the surface. I mean, we, and yet the application that is available and just James, goodness, if we could just apply all this stuff, we've learned to be great. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of meat there, yeah. um, but uh, it's I, been good.
2: Yeah, I think we can. I just think, uh, you know, it takes time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. time to get in there and, uh, you know, one one thing at a time. I think that's going to be maybe our next podcast, a short podcast about just a one degree of
1: change. Yep. And so, so tune so, in. Yeah, tune in to our next podcast, "One Degree of Change." Thanks for being with us, guys.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Vision Life Three Sixty Five podcast. Be sure to check out our website, visionlife365.org. and be sure to subscribe to our podcast for a new episode each and every week. Thanks so much for being a part and being with us here. And we look forward to being with you again next week.